Being in the world is sometimes hard for me, for I see how hard people are and how they step on one another. This hurts me very much, sometimes even physically, and I feel vulnerable like a small child. Please tell me how to deal with it. There are always problems in the world, and the world has always been there, and the world will remain there if you start trying to work it out, changing circumstances, changing people, thinking, thinking of a utopian world, changing the government, the structure, the economy, the politics, the education. You'll be lost. This is the trap known as politics. <laughs> That's how many people waste their own lives. Be very clear about it. The only person you can help right now is you yourself. Right now, you cannot help anybody. This may not be, this may be just a distraction. Just a trick of the mind. See your own problems, see your own anxieties, see your own mind, and first try to change that. It happens to many people. The moment they become interested in some sort of religion, meditation, prayer, immediately the mind tells them. What are you doing sitting here silently? The world needs you. There are so many poor people. There is much conflict, violence, aggression. What are you doing praying in the temple? Go and help people. How can you help those people? You are just like them. You may create even more problems for them. But you cannot help. That's how all the revolutions have always failed. No revolution has yet succeeded because the revolutionaries are in the same boat. The religious person is one who understands that I'm very tiny, I'm very limited. If with this limited energy, even if I can change myself, that will be a miracle. And if you can change yourself, if you are a totally different being with new life shining in your eyes and a new song in your heart, then maybe you can be helpful to others also. Because, they, because then you will have something to share. Just the other day, a friend sent me a very beautiful incident in the life of Basho. Uh, Basho is the greatest hiker poet of Japan, the master hike poet. But he was not just a poet. Before becoming a poet, he was a mystic. Before he started pouring out with beautiful poetry, he poured deep into his own center. He was a meditator. 
it is said that Basho was entering upon a journey when he was a young man. The journey was an endeavor to find himself. Not long after he had begun, he heard a small child crying alone in the forest. Maybe he was sitting under the tree, meditating or trying to meditate, and he heard a small child crying. He meditated for a long time on what to do. He meditated for a long time on what to do. He then picked up his pack and continued on his way, leaving the child to its own fate. In his journal, he recorded the first one. First one has to do with one needs for oneself before one can do anything for another. First, one has to do what one needs for herself, for oneself. First, one has to do what one needs for oneself before one can do anything for another. Yeah. It looks hard, a child alone in the forest, crying, and this man meditates on whatever to do anything or not. Whether he can help the child, whether it will be right to help him or not. A child, a helpless child crying in the wilderness. A child, a helpless child crying in the wilderness, alone, lost, and Basho meditates over it and finally decides how can he help somebody else when he has not even helped himself yet he himself is lost in the wilderness he himself is lonely he himself is childish how can he help anybody the instant looks very hard but it's but it's meaningful I'm not saying don't help a child in the forest if you find him crying and weeping, but try to understand your own light is not burning and you start helping others. Your own inner being is in total darkness and you start helping others. You, su- you yourself are suffering and you become a servant of the people. You have not passed through the inner rebellion, and you become a revolutionary. This is simply absurd, but this idea arises in everybody's mind. It seems so simple to help others. In fact, people who really need to change themselves always become interested in changing others. Hmm. It seems so simple to help others. In fact, people who really need to change themselves always become interested in changing others. Okay. That becomes an occupation and they can forget themselves. 
This is what I have watched. I have seen so many social workers. Sabodeas. And I have never seen a single person who has any inner light help anybody. But they are trying hard to help anybody. They are madly after transforming the society and the people and the people's minds. And they have completely forgotten that they have not done the same to themselves. But they become occupied. They are madly after transforming the society and the people and the people's minds. And they have completely forgotten that they have not done the same to themselves. But they become occupied. Once an old revolutionary and social worker was staying with me. I asked him, you are completely absorbed in your work. Have you ever thought if what you really want happens, if by a miracle overnight, all that you want to happen, all that you want to happen, all that you want happens, what will you do the next morning? Have you ever thought about it? He laughed. An empty laughter but then he became a little sad he said if it is possible I'll be at a loss as to what to do then if the world is exactly I want it then I will be at, at a loss for what to do I may even commit suicide these people are occupied this is their obsession and they have chosen an obsession they can never be fulfilled so that they can go on changing others life after life who are you this is also a sort of ego to feel that others are hard upon one another that they are stepping on one another just the idea that others are hard gives you a feeling that you are very soft. No, you're not. This may be your way of ambition to help people, to help them to become soft, to help them to become more kind, compassionate. Khalil Gibran has written a small story. There was a dog, a greater revolutionary, one might say, who was always teaching other dogs of the town that just because of your nonsense barking, we are not growing. You waste your energy by barking unnecessarily. A postman passes, and suddenly a policeman passes a sannyasin passes dogs are against the uniforms any sort of uniform and they are revolutionaries they immediately start barking the leader used to tell them stop this don't waste the energy 
because this same energy can be put into something useful, creative. Dog can rule the world, whole world. Dogs can rule the whole world, but you are wasting your energy for no purpose at all. This habit has to be dropped. This is the only sin, the original sin. The dogs were always feeling that he was perfectly right. Logically, he was right. Why do you go on barking? And much energy is wasted. One feels tired. Again, the next morning, one starts barking. And again, by the night, one is tired. One, one is tired. What in the point of it all? They could see the leader. They could see the leader's meaning. But they also knew that they were just dogs, poor dogs. The idea was very great, and the leader was really a revealer. Because whatsoever he was pre preaching, he was doing. He never used to bark. You could see this you could see his character that whatsoever he preached he practiced also. But by and by they got tired of his constant preaching. One day they decided it was the birthday of the leader and they decided as a gift that at least on that night they would resist the temptation to bark. At least, at least for one night, they would respect the leader and give him a gift. Nothing could make him happier than this. All the dogs stopped that night. It was very difficult, odious. It was just like when you are meditating. How difficult it is to stop thinking. It was the same problem. They stopped barking. They had always barked, and they were not great giants. Um, they had always barked, and they were now, they were not great saints, just ordinary dogs. But they tried hard. It was very, very odious. They were hiding in their places with clenched teeth with closed eyes so they would not see anything. They tried not to listen to anything. It was a great discipline. The leader walked around the town. He was very puzzled. To whom to preach? Whom to teach now? What has happened? There, were, there was complete silence. Then suddenly, when midnight had passed, he became so annoyed. Because he had never really thought that the dogs would listen to him. He had known well that they would never listen, that it was just natural for dogs to bark. His demand was unnatural, but the dogs had stopped. His whole leadership was at stake. 
What was he doing to do from tomorrow? Because all he knew was just to teach. His whole ministry was at stake. And then, for the first time, he realized that because he was constantly teaching from the morning till the night, that's why he had never felt the need to bark. His energy was so involved in his teaching, and that was a sort of barking. But that night, there was nowhere to be found anybody who was guilty, and the preacher dog started feeling a tremendous urge to bark. A dog is, after all, a dog. He went into a bark lane and started barking. When the other dogs heard that somebody had broken the agreement, then they said, Why should we suffer? The whole town started barking. Buck came, the leader, and said, You fools, when you are going to stop barking? Because of your barking, we have remained just dogs. Otherwise, we would have dominated the world, whole world. Remember well that. Remember well that a social servant, a revolutionary, is asking for the impossible, but it, it keeps him occupied. And when you are occupied with others' problems, you tend to forget your own problems. First, settle those problems, because that is your first basic responsibility. A famous psychologist had bought a farm just for fun. Every time he threw, he threw again, he threw grain into his plowed furrows. An army of black crows would swoop down and gobble up his grain. Finally swallowing his pride, the psychologist appealed to his old neighbor, Mura Nasruddin. The Mura stepped into the field and went through all the monitors of planting without using any seed. The motions of planting without using any seed the crows swooped down, protested briefly, and flew away. The Mura repeated the process the next day, and then the next day, each time sending the birds off befuddled and hungry. Finally, on the, earth, on the, on the fourth day, he planted the field with grain, not a crow bothered to come. When the psychologist tried to thank Muller, the Muller grunted. Just plain ordinary psychology, said he. Ever heard of it? Remember, this is very plain ordinary psychology. Not to poke your nose into others' affairs. I like that. Not to poke your nose into others' affairs. If they are doing something wrong, that is for them to realize. Nobody else can make them realize it. Unless they decide to realize it, 
There is no way. And you'll be wasting your valuable time and energy. Your first responsibility is to transform your own being. And when your and when your being is transformed, things start happening of their own accord. You become a light and people start finding their path through your light. Not that you go, not that you force them to see. Your light burning bright is enough invitation. People start coming. Whosoever is in need of light will you to come. Whosoever is in need of light will come to you. There is no need to go after anybody because they because that the because that very going is foolish. Nobody has changed anybody against his will. That is not the way things happen. This is plain, ordinary psychology. Ever heard of it? Just keep to yourself. My feelings of unworthiness still dominate my life, and I'm changing to them so lightly that I despair of ever letting go. It has been a long and serious road so far. My feelings of unworthiness still dominate my life, and I'm clinging to them so tightly that I despair of ever of ever letting go. It has been a long and serious road so far. Nobody is born unworthy. Everybody is equal in the eyes of existence. But remember, equality does not mean similarity. Everybody is equally unique. The idea of unworthiness that is torturing you is torturing millions of human beings. It is the people around you who make you feel unworthy, undeserving, useless, good for nothing. This is a secret conspiracy against the individual by the crowd. Perhaps you are not aware that the crowd is the enemy of the individual. The crowd does not like individuals. It likes only phony people imitating one another. Anybody who stands alone in his own own right, declaring his own freedom, doing his own thing without any fear of consequences, will be condemned by the crowd. The crowd cannot afford such rebels because their very presence is dangerous. It may become a wildfire. Many others who are suffering in slavery may start revolving, revolving, seeing that it is possible to live your life according to your own light, that 
it is possible to have your own style, your own religiousness, your own morality. You don't have to belong to any crowd. You don't have to become a spiritual slave. If this idea spreads, there will be millions of people who have not died completely in those being there is still a spark of life who may explode into rebellion against the masses. The masses are easy to control. Hence, those people who are in power hate individuals. And this has been the story throughout human, human history. From the very childhood, the parents, the teachers, the priests, the neighbors from all directions, the society starts encroaching, group, encroaching upon the freedom of the individual. All their effort is to distract you from your own being. They want you to be somebody else. They don't want you to be yourself. That is the cause of your feeling of being unworthy. It is natural. You can never be somebody else. However, protect your pretension and your hypocrisy is. Deep down, you will feel you have betrayed yourself. Deep down, you can never feel contentment, self-respect, a pride that is natural to every being, a dignity which existence showers upon you just by giving you life. If you are allowed to be yourself, you will never feel unworthy because that will be your natural growth. If you are a rosebush, roses will bloom in you. And if you are a marigold, the marigold flowers will come. Neither does the marigold flower feel it is unworthy, nor does the roses feel that they are special, higher, or holier. Even the smallest grass blade feels as dignified as the biggest star in the universe. In existence, there is no inferiority complex anywhere, and as a corollary, there is no superiority complex either. The marigold is happy being a marigold. Even the idea is stupid. Why am I not a rose? It will be a very poor existence where there are only roses and roses and roses and no other flowers. Roses will lose all their beauty. The variety of millions of flowers makes existence rich beyond all our dreams. But the society wants you to be just a sheep. You may have the qualities of being a deer, of being a tiger, of being a lion, or being an eagle. All the varieties are possible in different individuals. But the society likes only one brand. Everybody has to be a sheep. Now, if you force a lion to be a sheep, he's gonna feel unworthy. 
you are imposing something upon him that is not natural. This feeling of unworthiness is because of an imprisoned imposition of unnatural demands upon you, made by everybody around you. Nobody likes you as you are. Everybody wants you to be this, to be that. Of course, if you fulfill, of course, if you fulfill the dreams, you will be loved, respected, honored. But it is very dangerous and very costly. You will have to lose yourself. You will become just a hypocrite. And what will be the gain? What is their respect? What is their honor? What are their re rewards? They cannot balance the loss. They cannot balance the loss. You have lost your soul. They can give you Nobel Prizes, but even a thousand Nobel Prizes cannot make up for the loss that you have suffered in the transaction. You have lost your very space in existence, your very territory, your most significant essential being and consciousness. I can understand your problem, and I don't think you are incapable of understanding it intellectually. I can understand your problem, and I don't think you are incapable of understanding it intellectually. You do understand, but just intellectual understanding never brings any change. It brings you more trouble. It makes you aware that you have done something very stupid, and now you have become an expert in doing that stupidity. Now that is your expert. Now, now that is, now that is your expertise. For that expertise, you are paid, honored, respected, so you cling to it. This becomes a tremendous dilemma. It creates a state of schizophrenia. You know that what you are doing is wrong, but this knowing is only intellectual. It has not prepared into the deeper parts of your being from where actions arise. Intellect is an inactive force. It has not become your meditation. It is still your mind, and the mind is absolutely impotent. So you understand intellectually that you're doing wrong and some and the same intellect says that this is the only thing that you know, unworthy or worthy, but this is the only thing that gives you credit, makes you respons makes you respected by the crowd. Don't leave it because you don't know where you have lost your soul and whether you'll be able to find it again. You don't even remember the way back home, so you go on, you go on clinging to that which intellectually you know is not right. You are destroying yourself, but you go on drinking the poison because you have forgotten the way to your home.